congregation. David asked me to speak today. David's having a well-earned holiday, and so it's a joy and a privilege for me to be able to just um, unpack this passage with you. Dan's going to turn the volume down in a minute because he knows how loud I am. Uh, in fact, I think the volume's only for recording purposes. That way I can really get going and not, not scare the life out of you with noise. We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 2, 13 to chapter 3, verse 7 in a moment, but I need to, I need to just set the scene again because... Um, I found as I was preparing this passage and got closer and closer, I just found it got tougher and tougher. And I found, uh, as we've been learning in the teaching, that I felt like I was going against so many things. Uh, It was just a challenge to get to the point where I could actually, this morning at quarter to eight, I finished it. And I said, thank you, Lord, you know, because I was was nervous and worried. I was sort of really struggling with it. And I'm sure all of you have been through these difficult times when you, you've got something before the Lord that's on your heart or you've been given and you, you want to get to it and you somehow just can't quite get there. It's sort of all there. It's been buzzing around my head and then slowly, bit by bit, the pieces came together. And I know that many have been praying for me and I'm so grateful for these things because God helped me against the resistance and the challenge of, of this world and all that we're living in and the fact that the, there's, uh, with a small g, the God of this world doesn't want this church to happen this morning, doesn't want this service to happen, doesn't want to hear us challenged about the reality of what we do and how we live as Christians. So the picture up there, as you can see, it's, it's the line of footsteps and that picture's going to keep coming back because... The, the theme is in his footsteps. So if you like, it's following Jesus in his footsteps. So every time you see that slide coming up, and it's going to repeat itself with various overlays, think of the fact that that's Jesus going in a direction. And then think about the fact that we're going to just unpack in a minute the fact that that's the direction that you and I need to go. We might not like it, but we need to go. I prayed this morning, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, Your will be done. Did you think about those words when you've read them, when the Lord Jesus speaks them? When you say them, that as a pattern prayer, as you pray those words, do you think, oh, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? We've been learning about our our relationship with the world and with God and all that's going on. So let's see where, great. One of the things that I need, you've probably worked out that, uh, I often say this to students at school, is you worked out, I'm getting quite old, the the beard's gone white. So, um, you you know, I've lived life uh, for quite a long time, not not as many years as some, some great people here, but I've lived a few years, and I've lived quite a few years as a Christian. Something over 40 something years as a Christian. I'm so grateful that God, in his goodness, called me, chose me, saved me when I was relatively young. You know, not too awful, but relatively young. But what I have found as I've lived my life is that the thing that I needed most was, what's my compass? What's my guidance? What's my moral compass, if you like? So you've got the picture up there, and if you're looking at it and it's come out, okay, yes, it has. It's got God at the top of it. Because the thing that I have to have to direct my life, most of all, most importantly, is God. And the bulk of the way that I try to live my life. Now, please, David used the word work in progress, and we're going to talk about that later. And I'm a work in progress, and I'll explain that when we get to it, because, you know, none of us, none of us here are perfect. None of us here have got there. We never will on earth. We will when we get to heaven, but until then, we're a work in progress, and we've got to keep battling on. But the more that we get to know and hang into God's word, the better it is. But I, made, I put this up as well. That little guy there is looking at it, you know, he hasn't got a beard, but, you know, couldn't find everything. And he's looking at it going, wow, that's a big book. 
That's huge, you know, get the size. And it is a big book, and it's got an awful lot in it. You know, 66 individual books put together by God, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament, and they show us the will and the mind of God. His dealings with us, how he has dealt with us, how he has shown us love, how he is holy and righteous and a judge, all of those things. And that's a lot to unpack and it's a lot to take in. So we're going to be looking, and we've been looking as a church through David's house with one book within it called Peter, the book of Peter. And it's the first, one Peter means that Peter wrote two books that God breathed into them and he wrote two books and we're going to look, we've been looking at the first book. So, so we're going to read that in a little while, but the Bible's got so much in it that I totally get, you know, when you don't get it. I mean, people get scared of me sometimes because I'm sort of quoting verses left, right and centre because... I was challenged when I got to about 18 about reading the Word of God. And I've actually, not, not in a trumpet-blind way, I'm just telling you because I needed to, I read the Word of God. I try to get through the Word of God every year. It's not that I understand it all, it's just that I read it because the more that you do something, the easier it is to, to put it in. So I put God's Word into my mind. I hope God in His grace lets it filter down into my heart so that when I have conversations with people and when I stand up and pray and when I talk to people, these scriptures just come, they come out because God's Holy Spirit says, well, there's material in there, let's get on and use it. There's all, there's all sorts of other things that I know we can use that speak the Word of God. But for me, the most important thing is God's Word because it's God's Word and it's powerful and it's authoritative. That gives me the confidence to say it to people, because it's not me saying it, it's what God says, not what I say. Now, it's important to you know, look at that and think about it like that. So, as we look into 1 Peter, the book of Peter, it's, it's going to give us as, a Christian, as Christians a massive challenge. So if you have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour, if he's your master and your Lord and God is your father and the Holy Spirit indwells you, Tick the word Christian, because that's what it means. You belong to God. And we've been learning from David that if we belong to God, see the little guy in red, if we belong to God, then we are following God and those footsteps that we saw earlier. We are looking and following God and Jesus. The people in blue are the people that don't know God in that personal relationship, and they're all going in a direction, and they're all great. It's great when you go together, isn't it? But we have got a toughie because we want to go the opposite way. So there's the image. Where's the guy looking? He's looking towards those footsteps. Because there's a scripture that says, I think it's the book of Hebrews, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And we're going to touch on a bit more about his example a little bit more. But that's the important thing. It's looking unto Jesus. So his footsteps and his life and his example is where my focus as a Christian, should be. The work in progress bit, as we'll talk about later, means that I'm not always looking over there. I'm looking over here, I'm looking over here, I'm looking up there, I'm looking... Sometimes I want to look anywhere but at those footsteps. Because when I look at those footsteps and I see that example, it makes me uncomfortable. And I find it difficult. And today's a tough passage and we're going to see that the same. So David mentioned this about being a work in progress. I just want to touch on it a little bit more. Um, just a, Excuse me if I have a, a drink. I want to just think about, for one moment, how God views us. Okay, it says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Now that is how God views you, and me, thankfully, as a new 
creation. That's what we are. We're new. A new creation. We're brand new. We're changed. We're fit for God's purpose. God's imputed righteousness to us. God's forgiven us. God's taken away our sin through what Jesus did on the cross. We're going to heaven. So God looked at us as his children, as his adopted sons. We are so special and loved of God. David mentioned chosen of God. So God sees us, from his view, as a new creation. But there's a problem, and this is a bit about, I wanted to talk a little bit about for a moment, is while God sees us as a new creation, and we have, if you like, that which is new in us, God's spirit infills us, we have a desire, as pictured in the person heading forwards the robes, to do that which serves God. If you like, a new nature, to go with our new creation. That's what, that's what God wants to see us in. That's what we're about. That's where we should be relative to that first verse. But the problem is, and I was really chuffed when I found this slide, that when God saved you, when you became a Christian, when you came into God's family, that he didn't take away that old self, that old me, still there, battling away. Sitting there saying, Pete, do you really want to look into Jesus? Wouldn't you rather be doing this or doing that? Now, please, this is, I'm talking to me in this sense, but you know, you, you know where I'm coming from. So that, if you like, is the old nature. And, and it's, got, it's, got a, it's got a grip on us and we have to deal with it and we have to keep working at it. So, sorry, let me just get it. So it says, however, we still have an old nature which we have to battle with. It's a battle every day. Let's just think about that. So the new nature, our new nature wants to think about God in this way, as Jesus first, others second, yourself last. That's the order, and that's one of the great teachings that I've got out of the Bible, is, is that my gaze, if, my, if I'm looking at Jesus and my gaze is heavenward and Godward, then it's God first. Do you remember that Old Testament commandment? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That God should be number one in our hearts and our lives. That we've had teaching about if God isn't number one, anything else that is number one is in God's eyes and in the scripture, if you like an idol. So it's God first, others second, me last. And that's a principle that I try to apply. I fail, but I try to apply that principle of the way that God wants me to live and behave as a Christian. Now, me first. When you get to the other slide, remember the slide with the people up there? So I'm trying to do the looking that way, but the other people and the world and my old nature, got the arrow up there, is the other way around. It's me first, others second, God in the world's eyes, if he exists, Last, lip service. Okay? You, got, you, you can see where I'm coming from this. I'm trying to, I want to get this, this, this important value home because if we are, are really living this and are comfortable with it and, and accept God's word and, and the authority of it and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, then these rather uncomfortable things that we're talking about, if you like, we've got to keep working at them to, to, to keep feeding that new nature, to keep wanting to be Godward. And the Bible actually talks about crucifying. It's a really strong word. Crucifying our old nature, putting it to death on a daily basis. And it's a daily basis. It isn't, oh, I'll put it to death on Sunday morning so I can be good at church. It's put it to death every morning. You know, what's important to me? Is it going to be God having the priority in my life? Or is it that old self or the world having the priority in my life? Now, the first person I'm speaking about today to me is me, okay? 
You please take it as you want, but I'm just saying, as I was preparing this, I was challenged by these things. So that's the background that I want to set with you as we come to this passage. We're going to read this passage now. We can't, there's so much, there's three slides of of passage. We're not going to look at every single word because we'll be here till about four o'clock tonight. And I know you want your lunch and I know there's a second service. So I'm going to unpack little bits of it, but I want you to read it, read it with me or or just follow it as I read it and just look at the words because I want God's spirit to just put those words. I want them to burn them into your heart and your mind so that even when you finish the day and you go away and you say, oh, thank goodness. Pete's finished, you know, it's, it's over. I want God's word in your mind, in your heart, so that you will think about these things for yourself. I just want to show you a few things to get you going in the right direction. It's down to you, as Christians, what you do with God's word. I can't fix it for you. David once said, if you survive on what David speaks each week, or so anybody else, then you're on a serious diet and you're in trouble. You've got to, and I've got to cultivate God's word, God's habits in my life. I've got to cultivate my new nature, deal with my old nature, all the things that appeal to me, and keep looking at Jesus and keep wanting to go in a Godward direction. Let's read this passage. You can either read it out loud or read it yourself. I'll read it out loud and you can follow it along. So this is 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 13 to chapter 3, verse 7. This is the first slide. Tough words. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect. Respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, honour the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh, for it is commendable. If someone bears up under pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you accord because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Chapter 3, verse 1. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornments such as elaborate hairstyles and wearing of gold jewellery or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. 
For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Big passage. Uh, I hope you followed it. I'm sure you won't have memorised it all, but um, there's a lot there to think about, isn't there? Any idea what that is, apart from a very fuzzy image? Anybody? What do you think? Pardon? Could be apartments, yeah, yeah. You're right. It's it's apartments. Could could be in the side of a cruise ship. You never know. Yes, it's apartments. But, you know, that's that's a a detail. I want to just show you something. So, uh, that's the photograph. Uh, and that big picture has got within it that little bit there. So that little bit of detail is that tiny where the arrow goes to. That's the apartment. And just above the palm tree on the left was Trix. Don't worry about it. Can't recognise her, so she's okay. Uh, I was up the top of a mountain. I'd gone for a walk in a, a place called uh, Fuerta Ventura. Uh, we'd had a little holiday out there. And Trix decided that she wasn't going to come with the city man walking out in the sunshine. Typical crazy Englishman. You know, mad dogs in Englishman. We go out in the sun. Everybody else sits there and chills out in the jacuzzi, in the balcony, in the spa. So Trix wisely was there. And I was at the top like an idiot with a camera taking photographs. But the reason I took the photograph is that when you look at that, you think, oh, what's that about? But when you look at the whole thing, it's the big picture. Now, look at the Bible. Sometimes... You know, you, you heard those passages. And now, if I've got this wrong, forgive me, but you heard the passages, and words can be like details. So some of you would have gone, submit to every, submit to every authority, submit to masters, submit to a bad husband, and you're going, check, well, check what it means. The word submit, the action of accepting or yielding to a superior. Just throwing that away. Oh, my word. Dan, this might not work. We'll get it. Hang on a minute. Put that battery back in there. Put it in that way. Yeah. How to break, uh... John, you do it. Okay. Dan, we need the next little part. Just click it on one for us. Right. So some of you are thinking, some of you are thinking possibly, right? Next song, next thing. Some of the things. You might have been thinking as I read that, I'm not happy with that. Where's this going? Does this mean me? Well, I don't yield. I don't like being told what to do. So thank you so much. You see... There's part of you that are going, great, it's the Bible, God's word, yeah, I'm a Christian, I submit, to, I submit to God's word, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But there's part of you, maybe that old nature part's going, hang on a minute, society in which I live in, the way I live my life, um, you know, we, we don't look at things like that. Can you see that it's possible to, when you look at it too closely, you might get really uncomfortable, you might think, what's going on here? But sometimes you need to look at the big picture because the bit that you need to look at is it said, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. So submit to every human authority, okay? But the bit that's really important is submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. It's not for your sake. It's not for the government and authority's sake. It's for the Lord's sake. That's a thought, isn't it? That... You know, I'll, I'll do things for people. Somebody says, Pete, could you do me a favour? Well, I rang up Neil and I said, could you help me with something? And Neil, so kindly, said, well, it's you, Pete. For your sake, I'll, I'll give you the information. Thanks, Neil. I really appreciate that. But can you see that 
you do things for other people and you're glad to do it. But who's the, who's the supremo? Who's my big boss? Who's the one that's in charge of me? It's God. And if he says, for my sake, Pete, I want you to submit yourselves, yield um, to, to, to the government that I've set up, you're going, but it's because God asks you to do it. It's because you belong to God and God, your master, Jesus, your saviour, the Holy Spirit in Joanna, you're saying, that's what I want you to do. Now, that, you know, I, I, I was looking at this passion, I was getting very uncomfortable, I was thinking, how am I going to say this to people without offending them? It's not easy. As we look at these verses now, we're just going to go through these verses, not just some of them, I've literally a few slides on each with some little cross-references. We need to just keep that big picture in mind. We're going to look at some of the detail, but keep the big picture in mind. The big picture is for the Lord's sake. So when you do this, it's not brownie points for you, it's not brownie points for me, It's that in submitting yourselves, which is very uncomfortable, you're doing it because God asks you to do it. So when you do that, who gets the glory and the honour if you do that? God. What's one of the things that, as Christians, we really want to do? Well, I want to do is I want to bring glory to God. He's done everything for me. He created me. He saved me. I belong to him. All that I have is his. Hopefully. But, you know, it's a challenge. So one of the ways that, even though it sounds totally weird, that we can bring glory to God is by doing his will. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For the Lord's sake. So even if you don't like it, even if you're not comfortable with it, and you don't think, oh, this is not the way that I look at things, then for the Lord's sake, please Drop those scriptures that you've read and put them in your heart and pray about them and challenge yourself about them because in doing that, you will be blessed and you will bring glory to God. Even though you don't like it, possibly. Even though that inner self, that old nature is going, I don't like this. There's a new nature saying, I love you, Lord. I want to serve you and give you a big hug. And the old nature is saying, I don't like this. I don't want to do this. And you are sitting here today, and some of you will be having a real uncomfortable battle about these verses. They're in the Word of God. So they're authoritative. Whether, for me, they're authoritative. Whether I like them or not, for the Lord's sake, I am subject to those verses. For it is God's will, so we're back on it again, by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk. So you see, sometimes, you know, we do good things, and some people say, oh, why are you so helpful? Why are you doing this, and why are you doing that? And there's an opportunity. Well, because I, I love God, and I want to honour him. I'm not saying we'd always say that sort of thing, but, but you know, some people are saying, why are you so nice sometimes and doing all these things? Why are you so helpful? And that touches people in one way. We seem to live in a society where it either annoys them or they say, thank you so much. That's lovely. But by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people. So, The Lord came that for freedom he set us free. But that liberty should not be abused. It's so easy for us to say, yeah, I'm a free person and there's an old nature over here knowing what I look at, what I say, what I do, what I think, where I go, all that stuff. And I'm saying, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm free, it's wonderful. And there's part of me, you know, got the potential to say, yeah, but I'm free, but actually I'm, I'm covering up the things that, you know, I'm doing things for my boss and I know I'm not too comfortable with it, but the boss is pleased that I've prepared to do that and I'm going to do this and, you know, that's great. 
I'm free. Well, I am, but I'm covering it up because I'm actually trying to do two things at the same time. I'm trying to have my cake and eat it. And while I can get away with it and justify it to my old nature, God knows every thought I've ever thought. God knows every word that I've ever said. And one day, it's quite a challenge, I will have to explain my life when I became a Christian to the day that God takes me, I will have to give an explanation for how I live my life. Now, you know, you're not thinking about that now, but one day I'm going to have to sort of answer for how I've behaved. It's not a question about sin, that's dealt with. Jesus dealt with that at the cross. But one day Jesus will talk to me, it's called the judgment seat of Christ, and he'll say, Pete, what about this, that and the other? And, you know, and I'll, I'll probably be sort of been wanting to hide inside my jacket, put my head down somewhere. Oh, I'm in heaven, I'm going to heaven, that's wonderful. But, you know, I may just have to answer for a few things that I wish that I just had got hold of this a bit quicker and a bit earlier. So there we go. It says, live as God's slaves. That, mean, that means for you and me, that's, the word slave means bondservant. It means that I'm happy to have a master, and my master is Jesus. And my master is the one that says, take my yoke upon you, for my, yoke is, my burden is lighter, my yoke is easy, because that's God. He's so good and he's so kind. Okay. But the last little bit of this bit, show proper respect to everyone. Well, that's important. You know, we hear the word respect, but it doesn't always mean what we think it means. You know, you know what? Go back to joy. Jesus first, God first, others second, me last. So showing respect is not the way the world works sometimes. Then it says, love the family of believers, fear God, honour the emperor. Now, Peter at that time, Peter at that time was under an emperor that was called Nero, executed him. And yet Peter, as God breathed, wrote these words, honour the emperor. Now, you know, for Peter, it's going to cost him his life. He still wrote it because that's what God told him to write. That's what he wrote. That's quite a challenge, isn't it? You know, we, we get uncomfortable with things like being, author- being subject to government. We haven't got time to go about it. You know, things like taxes, speed limits, all those sorts of things. My goodness, we've got an opinion about everything. But whether we like it or not, God has set up things that, that we should follow. The only excuse that we've got, or the only caveat to that is, I'm running out of time, the only caveat is that there are times when the disciples said, when they were challenged on the religious reason of why they were teaching Jesus, they said, should we obey God rather than men? Now, there are times when with your conscience, you are going to come into a point of conflict with the law and the government that God set up, and you're going to say, yeah, the government says, don't speed, pay your taxes, got that, no problems. That's for our benefit, that's for our protection, whether we like it or not. But then they might say something like, oh, you know, you're not supposed to do this or you're not supposed to do that, or we're going to ban you reading the Bible, we're going to ban you quoting the scriptures out in public. And then you've got to work out this, this tricky bit about civil disobedience and whether you're saying, oh, is that obeying God rather than men? That's a toughie, work it out yourself on that one, it's not an easy one. So there are those challenges. And then if we use the word slaves, let's use the word employees to an employer for modern terms. Irreverent fear of God, so that's the key. Because I reverence and love God, I will submit myself to my employer in the sense that I know there's contracts and all that, but it means that I don't abuse that relationship. And you know, whether they're good or whether they're bad, as a Christian, I shouldn't be abusing those relationships. I have a responsibility to honour God. Not easy, it's very challenging. And you've got to just work that one out for yourselves about how you're going to live your life. You know, are you, are you known as somebody that's reliable, somebody that's trustworthy, somebody that seems to sort of always be willing to, to do what you've got to do at work? Or are you the one that says, you know, I, I might be prepared to do that for you and I could do that and I could slip a Saturday in if, you know. You see where I'm coming from, these, these ideas about things that are going on. 
So what's your attitude and your behaviour as you live your life? The reason is, we've only got three, three or four slides to go, because on all the stuff that I've said, you remember the looking unto Jesus with the footsteps that are behind the slides? Well, it says this, you were called because Christ suffered for you. And I put a picture of a cross in there, leaving you an example. That's why. On top of all the stuff that we talked out at the intro at the beginning, this is the crunch, because when we look at those footsteps, we're looking at our Saviour. When we look at our Saviour, we realise that he is the example of the perfect human being that was completely devoted to God, that did God's will. What were the words of Jesus at that terrible moment in the garden? Not my will, but your will be done. The words that I speak are given me from my Father. I only speak those words that my Father gives me. Here is one that lived a life that was so devoted and so directed at Father God, in that sense as a human being, representing you as a pattern for us to follow, that he was willing to go all the way to the cross so that you and I have one to follow and you and I can have a relationship with God because of what he did. But in the context of this passage and this book at this time, it's Jesus is our example. So when they gave him a really bad time for doing good, he didn't go screaming at them saying, I want justice, you're wrong, I'm right, I'm going to deal with this. Not at all. He committed no sin and no deceit. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. Now that's a challenge because my natural old nature order is, is if somebody has a go at me, I want to have a go back. If somebody does something to me, I want justice. But the Bible teaches about turning the other cheek. It teaches about turning, going the extra mile. It teaches about following the example of Jesus. These are uncomfortable things, I know. I really squirmed when I saw this. I thought, how am I going to say this to you guys? But that's the example. So if Jesus means what I hope he means to you, then you'll be challenged to do it. Not because it makes you feel comfortable or even good or ticks the boxes, but because God wants you to, because you bring glory to God and because Jesus is that supreme example. And so we come on to the, to the last little two, two, two slides. So that's an attitude. So when it comes to Peter now here, so there's the example of the Lord. What about, about those that are married women? You see, it was tough at those times. Some of them had become Christians. Here Peter gives the biggest example. He says, if any of them do not believe the word. So they're not Christians and the wife is a Christian. So is she going to preach at him and nag him and blow scriptures at him? No. Peter's saying that he may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. You imagine a, a wife in a relationship with a man that, 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 that is not a Christian and yet she's prepared to, to show by her example and her love that, of bringing glory to the Lord and the, an example of the Lord Jesus that she's willing to tough it out. Now, we need to just pick something out on this. There's the look man. He's looking and when you look at the Bible, we need to look at another verse because you can't just take that one verse and, and make that, oh, that means that women have got to stay with their husbands under all conditions. It doesn't work like that. You need the whole of the Bible. And in the New Testament, it says in 1 Corinthians, for the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through the wife. So it complements what we've just heard. And the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through the believing husband. So it's a two-way street, husband, wife, and vice versa. But if the unbeliever leaves, let it be so. You know, there are times that we've had teaching about, you know, it doesn't expect you to be abused, to be beaten, to be hurt and all those things. That's, that's not what we're talking about here. That's not what Peter's talking about. He's talking about the way you behave and live your life 
to honour God. He's not talking about being beaten up and all that. It's none of that, because this passage, you see, you put the two together and you start getting the picture of the scriptures about husbands and wives in relationship, and there's a lot more. So you need to unpack other things. That's why I just wanted to cross-reference you to that to make you think about it and realise, don't just take one tiny scripture and take it out of context. Look at the whole round about relationships between men and women. But in Peter's Peter's teaching here, where we're going through uh, about honouring the Lord, then if you've got a believing or an uh, an unbelieving, your whole behaviour is such that you honour God. And that is pleasing. And it also says that it is, you remember it says it was very precious, the word was very good in God's sight. Isn't that lovely that you can honour God? It doesn't, it says there, it says rather it should be that of an inner self. And it says, which is of great worth in God's sight. You see, you remember the scripture about David? Man looks on the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. So God is not worried about how you look on the outside. And some of you look lovely. Okay? And and you know what I mean. I, I say that as a compliment. You look lovely. But what God is looking at is your heart. And he's going, you're lovely. You're precious to me. Because you've honoured me. You've honoured my son. You've lived as an example. And that is glorifying. And to me, as I look into your heart and see the attitude of submission in this context, you're lovely. Isn't that precious? That's something that, you know, we, we need to get hold of. It's, it, there's blokes, so don't worry. We've got a bit for the men. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as a weaker partner. This is nothing about superiority or domination or anything like this. You know, if my wife and I both tried to take it one example and do a bench press, I could probably do maybe one kilogram and my wife could do half a kilogram. You could, do, you could put it in that way. You could look at it, the word weak. It's quite a tricky one in all sorts of ways. We're different. My view is that husbands and wives, men and women, are complementary to one another. We complement each other in all sorts of ways. You know, I, I ask tricks, oh, where's such and such a thing? She'll say, it's over there. She'll say, could you go and do that particular job? I, I, I can't lift that. And I'll go, yeah, no problem at all. I know it seems simple and, and silly, but husbands and wives can complement one another. And that means that husbands have got a responsibility uh, to do things and in their relationship. Because if they do it, and if it's with respect as joint heirs, because in God's eyes... If you want to use language with brothers and sisters, we're all as Christians going to heaven. But God looks at you in a positional way as sons. Sons in the sense of the dignity of the firstborn son that will receive the inheritance. And that doesn't matter whether it's male or female. In God's eyes, he looks at you and he sees you as sons. So for you and I, whether you're male or female as Christians, we're going to heaven. We've got the same master. God views us in that way as co-equal. But on earth, we're physically slightly different. I can't, have, I can't actually carry a baby, for example, but I have the deepest respect for those that can. I, I'm trying to put a bit of humour into it. But you, you got the idea, OK. I, there's things I can't do, and there's things that women can do, and vice versa, OK? But look, it says, so that your joint heirs with you as a gracious gift of life, so that nothing hinders your prayer. You see, the ultimate thing is, is that if we've got a, 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 an understanding of God's word together and we're praying together and sharing God's word, then our, our prayers don't get bogged down. Last of all, oh, we've got one of those again. What's it say? Last, last slide. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Now, if the husbands have got that attitude, then the bits that Peter's been talking about shouldn't be too difficult. And remember, when you look at the scriptures, you can look at Peter and go, cool, Peter, that's a bit heavy. You're giving the blokes a good time there. You balance it out. 
and you look at all the scriptures and you realise that husbands and wives, in submission to God, following the example of Christ, have got those complementary responsibilities. I've gone on too long. I'm finishing. God bless you.